Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome as the center of the political universe is somehow Fulton County, Georgia, after Fonnie Willis uncorked the latest indictment of Donald Trump. Now, Fulton County went for Biden in 2020, 73% to 26 Much like Alvin Bragg's New York County was about 7 to 1 Biden. Our own Mark Finkelstein pointed out, Joe Scarborough uh, wondered how it would look if a deeply red county's DA indicted Joe Biden in Florida, for example. Conservative pundits have been out there encouraging this tit-for-tat, pick-up-the-baseball-bat. I am not sure that is a wise course of action, but it would be good for us. You just know the media double standard would be amazeballs. Now, I was on the way in on Interstate 66, getting stuck in traffic, listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. They did 20 minutes. The show was on Fonnie Willis. 20 minutes, there was not one second of a Republican or conservative critique. Oh, well, they had some Trump bluster, but that's the kind of thing they could dismiss. Like, the former president, full of lies, had this statement. There wasn't one second of a of a Kevin McCarthy, of a Senate Republican. There's not one mention that Fonnie Willis is a Democrat. And oh, the name Stacey Abrams never came up in 20 minutes when the subject was election denial in Georgia. They brought on Stephen Fowler of Georgia Public Broadcasting, who's been dining out now for a long time on the Fonnie Willis racket. He just promoted her like he's on her press team. Hey, if you want a racketeering probe, she's your gal. Fowler has a piece right now on NPR.org with the same message. She's your gal. No D word for Democrat. NPR.org also has a piece by Sam Gringlass of Atlanta NPR station WABE, which at least found one skeptical note. He went to Don Samuel, an an Atlanta defense attorney, who's representing the Georgia legislature. He said that convictions are far from a sure bet. And here's the interesting part. The case is sponging resources from a DA's office already backlogged with violent crime cases. This is one of those arguments that Team Trump is going to use. We might not see a lot of it in the media, and that is that Fonnie Willis can't prosecute violent crimes because she's too busy going after Donald Trump. Joining us on the Newsbusters podcast today to discuss Trump scandals, Associate Editor Nick Nightrain Fondacaro. Follow him on Twitter at Nick. Fondacaro, even though his Newsbusters byline is Nicholas. Now, why is that? Yeah, you have a more professional uh, name on the website, more professional like author name, and then Nicholas more- F. Fondacaro. <laughs> I thought maybe you did it for your mother. I don't know. Okay. Well, also, uh, Nicholas doesn't, at the time, Nicholas didn't fit into, also didn't fit into the handle slot, which is why, like, the full name is Nicholas, but the actual handle is Nick. Because yeah. it, it, it was too long. Yeah. The, uh, Twitter's funny that way. Most of us got on, like, you know, in the Obama years. Mm -hmm. 
My first Twitter handle was Tim G Watchdog, just because I really didn't know what I was doing. Mm. Kevin Eater uh, said, "Just try Tim Graham <laughs> with a, with an, with your middle initial." Okay, and mm. and there we are. So yesterday we were discussing Nick had seen Andrea Mitchell's show, and she was talking about indictment fatigue. I got I got a kick out of this, as you so colorfully wrote on Newsbusters. She was packing so many pontificating pundits on screen, they looked like a bargain bin Brady Bunch. Was there five or six? Yeah, there were five on the screen. So it wasn't. Some, sometimes they do like, I mean, I know Morning Joe can do eight. Oh yeah, it's like especially when like when Joe and Meeker are together on one in one panel, and then the rest of them are <laughs> their own. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, can't you do like a four and four? I don't know. It's just, it's always funny when they want to do that. So uh, Mitchell was looking to New York Times chief White House correspondent Peter Baker for reassurance, you said. Mitchell wanted to reduce the possible harm this might do in their efforts to reelect President Biden. Here's Andrea. Peter Baker, how does... How do Trump opponents, Republican opponents, as well as White House opponents, how do they break through indictment fatigue? And mm. how, how do they get voters, uh, not only energizing Democratic voters, but certainly maybe not MAGA base, but independent swing voters, how do they get voters to focus on uh, the, the substance of some of these indictments? as many times as we use the word unprecedented. Nick, this is what our old colleague and friend Kyle Drennan pegged as the how do Democrats win question. The news question is how do we, oh no, not we, they, how do they break through in their messaging? Yeah, like she literally asks them, like, how, how do you keep, how do you energize the Democrats, the independents and the swing voters? Like she, she asks Baker, it, it's, it's, like you said, it's the how do Democrats win? She's like, we need to right now. We just need to break out into a strategy session. It's a breakout session at the convention. We need to talk about and ha figure out how we're going to do this. And so I, I like the concept of indictment fatigue. You, it could be argued yeah. we at Newsbusters have indictment fatigue. We are, you know, this has been our summer. Yeah. Uh, constantly counting how much indictment obsession. And we're really only for the most part trying to do the networks. Imagine us trying to count daily the amount of CNN and MSNBC coverage. I think we, we would all we've we've tried that a couple times <laughs> where we got some stuff out, but it's like a lot of times it is just so much, and and it's they're, they're, she's not worried about Republicans having the indictment fatigue. It's it's how do we keep Democrat energy up? The point is to keep Republican energy low, depress their turnout, keep Democrats enthusiasm high. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. the business model of MSNBC. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> this is our job, is yeah. to keep our is to keep our MSNBC base motivated. Well, Peter Baker wasn't there to please Andrea, because he was just suggesting, hey, uh, in focus groups, voters stick to their views of Trump regardless of how many indictments the Democrats manufacture. Here's Baker. Yeah, we're in this bizarre moment, of course, where the unprecedented has become routine, right? We have now seen this four times already. And and there's no question that the country has kind of gotten oddly accustomed to it. It's, it's you know, another week, another indictment. Oh, here we go. And I think that there is a fatigue factor, at least uh, the consultants tell us that they have seen that. Um, 
one uh, consultant does focus group told me that she hears voters, you know, for them, it's a lot of white noise. They can't even make really a distinction between Jack Smith and Fonnie Willis and, and all these different cases. And they kind of tune it out. All they know is that Trump was in trouble. And they come back to their pre, you know, pre-indictment views of him. Either they think he is being persecuted unfairly or they think he is a uh, you know, a, a serial criminal who's finally being brought to justice. And, and, and they're not spending a lot of time on the details of it. I get a kick out of voters seeing cable news as white noise. I mean, with this many indictments, yes, people will lose track. I, I especially like, Nick, them saying all they know is Trump is in trouble. That's so much the message of cable news from 2015 forward. I mean... I think we can question whether it really matters at this point how these prosecutions end. The point is the endless media negativity. I mean, I had that same feeling when they raided Mar-a-Lago. Oh, what was the timing in that? Well, the January 6 hearings were in a lull. There was no hearing. So it was like, yeah. well, we, well, we need something. We need some grist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I... I guess how did it how did you how did it sound to you and Baker sort of like well sorry Andrea yeah it it's it's sort of given the sense of that like like it, it, for all the media's work that they're putting into trying to use this against Trump and just make the entire primary process about Trump and keep the focus on him asking the other Republican candidates about him instead of their own policies on certain things it's they, they've reached a saturation point where you have, it's like the law of diminishing returns. The, the cup overfloweth and it's now just like all over your lap. And, yeah. and, and it, there it's like I said, diminishing returns and it just nothing but sort of hurts. It, democracy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it hurts democracy. I mean, in the sense that this is like, yes, the only way that Mike Pence can say something newsworthy is if they ask him to denounce Trump. Yeah. You know, the only way Ron DeSantis can be newsworthy is to denounce Trump. Chris Christie's ab absolutely operating on that model. Yeah, you had Major Garrett today as part of their coverage of the the, the Georgia indictment. He, he was he highlighted himself at the Iowa State Fair and all the questions, like his entire report was like, how are the indictments, the Georgia indictment, all of them just sort of affecting the GOP primary? And it's just clips of him talking to voters about Trump and then other Republican candidates, Asa Hutchinson, uh, uh, Tim Scott, asking them about Trump, mm -hmm. just making the entire thing about them, even though they're there, they try to get voters for themselves. Now, you could yeah. say... What's happening here is is 2015 all over again, and that is mm -hmm. when you make Trump the sole focus, nobody else can get a word in edgewise. You mm -hmm. know? And when you give them a word, it's about Trump. Exactly. But you could also argue this is a very effective strategy for Democrat journalists to not quote Republicans attacking Biden because oh, they're yeah. too busy soliciting them to attack Trump. Oh yeah, that, that that's one of the things I point out today in my in my piece on the numbers is like they've completely dropped any sort of notion that the the Biden stuff going on with Hunter and the and the alleged corruption and the payments they do like the the ridiculous shady payments of the Biden family are even going on that that Comer is even a thing on the radar is is not even mentioned as they just keep the entire focus on on Trump. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they counted. Combert put out a memo saying there's $20 million going to the Biden family. Not, you know, all, uh, nine or 10 or 11 members of the Biden family. I mean, these people all thought it was a scandal that Ivanka Trump was selling a perfume. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, so, uh, I, I you know, I, I don't buy the idea that somehow we can't do s- scandal stories that might have Mrs. Bo Biden in them or something or Hunter's kids. Um, they just don't want to do any of that because they think any Biden scandal story is is bad for Democrats, so they don't want to do any. Yeah, and it's it's bad for their their case to save democracy if democracy is for sale by one of the candidates, the foreign interests, and it it, it shows like if they were honestly all for trying to save the country, they they should be doing side by side reports of. How did we get to a position where both candidates are compromised this way? Well, and they refuse to admit that. You know, exactly. That's where you're, you're back in where Jonathan Capehart sits on Friday night. You can't possibly compare the two. You know, they, they get very upset whenever you try to say, well, there are Trump scandals and there are Biden scandals, but they want to treat it as, you know, Trump is, uh, you know, let's go back to 2020. You- Trump's killed millions of people and Biden's trying to help people and people... He's misunderstood. Yeah, like there, there's there's no equivalency here. It's it's a false equivalency to say they're the same. It's like both of them are both of them are bad for the American voter. Both of them are bad for the American people. Like if if you're if you think somebody who's going to be constantly, if, if they want to be fair, they can go somebody who's constantly going to be embroiled in federal investigations and state investigations. That's not good for the American people. And then if then they could be on the other side being like somebody who has these questions about his son trading on his name. He might he's he's using it to get money from from foreign entities and then complains to his sister in a text message that he has to pay his dad part of his money. There's there's obvious stuff here, and you can say both of these are bad. But the text message, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. The text message where Hunter's complaining that half of my salary is going to dad. Um, They don't want to talk about that. I mean, they're all running this clip, this terrible-sounding clip of Trump saying, just find me 11,000 votes. Um, but they can't find the things that make Biden look bad. And and anybody yeah. who looks at this will see Hunter Biden was at least giving money to help Joe Biden on his house. Hunter Biden was channeling money to Joe Biden. And they're all running around any, saying no evidence. And anybody with like any sort of idea in true crime or brushed up on how like to clean money you you get this illicit funds and then you put it through a cycle to make it seem like it's coming out brand new and clean it's like oh i gotta pay all my dad this exorbitant amount in rent at his house in delaware it's like where do you think the money's coming from just to go that that's how it's going to biden it doesn't need to be like non-itemized oh why did my dad get thirty thousand dollars? like oh no it's marked down as rent well, I was going to say, this is one of those places wherever that, there's that smoke, the fact checkers come running in and say, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. Um, I think in the case you're discussing, it was one of these things where I think Hunter was trying to get an office at this house of Sweden, uh, uh, but he listed his residence as daddy's residence. And mm-hmm. so it all gets misinterpreted. But you still ask yourself the question, yeah, why is Hunter living at dad's house? Is right? he not a grown adult? But uh, it, they simply 
do not want to investigate the connections between Joe and Hunter. Instead, they're playing this game of playing dumb. I don't know where there's any connection between Joe and Hunter. I don't know what you're talking about. And, and the the idea that he, like Joe needs to use the levers of government to help his son's business dealings, he, it, it seems like he's he did that with the Burisma bribery case and, and shooting down the investigation there. But even if you want to look at the other business dealings in which the the object of the deal was to or at least from the hunter side was to make it seem like his dad was an asset that the his business partner could use the corruption there is joe is taking part in this in this action to dupe his would be partners so even if they didn't have right. the intent to use the levers of government to help his partners the intent is to make it seem like they do. So the corruption is using his the idea that he has this this ability to dupe his partners. Yeah, I mean, right. So this is the way that they would cover it if it was Trump. It basically makes Trump look bad either way. So yes, you could either say Biden is uh, Biden is doing the bidding of the communist Chinese, or Hunter's duping the communist Chinese. Mm -hmm. Either one of them makes the Bidens look bad, and they're going to say, "I'm not picking A or B." Because I'm the pro-Biden media. Yeah, and it's not duping the... It wouldn't be duping the, t the communist Chinese in, in a way that would compromise them. It's really just a way to dupe them to enrich themselves. Yeah. yeah. Now, you have the newest numbers between Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. You say ABC, CBS, and NBC dedicated a combined 62 minutes flat on their mm -hmm. flagship newscast hyping the fourth indictment of Trump. Yeah. I always find it interesting where we work with all of these different minutes and seconds and just large numbers. And then when it turns out to just be a flat number is always yeah. it, it, it's like a, like a it's like ah, it's like, like your grocery bill where they say it's sixty two dollars. Yeah. No, no pennies. Yeah. yeah. Or like when I'm like trying to fill up my gas tank and, and you want to get it to the round number. So you're just like like flicking the handle to just try to get it to a flat number. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was sixty-two minutes flat. It's up from almost double. So Curtis uh, for uh, Tuesday morning uh, found that the networks did uh, thirty-three minutes and seventeen seconds on the Georgia indictment. Almost doubled, not completely. CBS came in second place. Was second place the previous day with eleven minutes and forty-nine seconds, and they stormed to the lead. Just stormed past ABC with 24 <laughs> minutes and five seconds. Most of that is what I mentioned earlier with Major Garrett and the being in uh, right. the Iowa State That was Fair. over five minutes. Yeah, that was just him there talking about that. And then they did, they, they, they all did uh, a standard just sort of like here is an overview of the allegations. And just sort of, uh, of course, they like they, they like to just cherry pick the words that they use when they come out of this. Like yes. you had ABC here. Basically saying um, this this was uh, Aaron Katersky um, saying da, 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 the indictment putting him atop a criminal organization that oh, also includes that. Eight, uh, 18 aides, attorneys and associates and 30 unnamed co-conspirators all allegedly allegedly conspiring to strong arm Georgia into helping Trump cling to power. Yeah, I mean, this. I made this note that this is how they started on Tuesday morning on this Today Show. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Criminal enterprise. I word, didn't. I did not know that was a uh, Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> the, the criminal enterprise. These are the. These are yeah, <laughs> but the, but uh, they they obviously will remind people that the indictment basically broke on on Monday night, and then Fani was going to have a press conference like at midnight or something. But uh, 
So the numbers start on Tuesday morning. But once again, mm-hmm. 62 minutes, it's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of time. And it, you know, Especially for a show but we're, uh, with two of these or um, with including this are shows that without their teases and commercials, the runtime is anywhere between like 18 and 22 minutes in the evening. So these are like half hour programs and they're managing to cram out these type of numbers and we're we, we should say we all have the we have these fussy little rules at newsbusters so if if hoda copy starts the show with like a 45 second trump's criminal enterprise thing we don't count it because it's kind of just an intro yeah if they're teasing into a commercial saying coming up next trump's criminal enterprise we don't count it because it's not a news story. It's a, it's a tease. It, so under. there's more, in a sense, we're being nice mm-hmm. that there was more attention to this than what the 62 minutes is. But in terms of the actual news coverage, mm-hmm. that's what you have. I mean, it wouldn't change the numbers dramatically, but I think people just need to understand. Um, the Biden scandals aren't something that would lead the Today Show, I don't think. If it's mentioned at all in the lead to the show, it's like hype number four. Yeah. So surprisingly for CBS, um, they were the only ones last night on Tuesday night to put the Maui wildfires ahead of the Trump indictment. Yeah, that's a little shocking. A little shocking and sort of being like, like it's at least better on their part because they'd be like, here are a lot of people. They're hurting. They're in really bad shape. They need help. That it's a terrible thing. Over a hundred, I think it's like 106 dead was the last yeah. number that I saw. So well, it's just yeah. shocking that ABC, exactly. ABC didn't lead with that because that's their kind of bread and butter is tragedy and yeah, you know. And th- there's nothing wrong with leading the news with that. But yes, obviously, when uh, mm-hmm. last Friday when they named a special counsel, they all led with Maui. I mean, and it and that's mm-hmm. understandable. But I mean, that's that's one of those things where we would say there is such a thing. On our list of methods of bias, such as bias by placement. So in a newscast, you put the scandal story 12 minutes in. Or in a newspaper, you put the scandal story on A17. Mm-hmm. But obviously, yes, a Trump indictment to them, you know, is often in the newspapers. It's like a four-front page headline story. I mean, they love it. They flood the zone, to use the old term. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any other thoughts about the, the amount of coverage we're seeing? It, it's honestly, it, it, it it's just going to go up where th- this is like, like they said, this is just, if, if there was like a fifth or sixth coming down the pike, they'd love it too. <laughs> this, the, as, oh, I hope not. As, as, as we say, like, like this. As we've sort of been saying here at Newsbus, is like the reason they're doing all this time for Trump is because they really want him to be the GOP nominee. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because they think that he's, he's, you know, this is why Andrea is talking about independent voters. Is mm-hmm. their belief is yes, Trump has a hardcore following in the Republican Party, um, but there's going to be voters in the Republican Party who are not going to vote for Trump in a general election. You know, there are people who voted for him in 2020 that saw what he did and encouraging a massive turnout on January 6th, then not telling them to go home once the riot started. You know, the ongoing election denial. Uh, This is part of the interesting thing about Georgia, Nick, which Mm -hmm. is um, he was upset. Like, why did other 
Republicans in Georgia do better than me. That can't be right. Uh, Brian Kemp, who he thinks is the big fink that let him down, won dramatically in 2022. So it's that whole issue of Trump can't believe there are Republicans who aren't going to vote for him. Exactly. And that's that was also part of Major Garrett's report, too. It's because he did interviews with Republicans in Iowa who were just sort of like, oh, we're, we're it's it's we, we voted for Trump twice, but it's just we're, we're, we're sort of tired of him sort of stepping on his own feet, become being his worst enemy and just constantly hearing about this. It's time to move on. And one of the things he pointed to was what he would he would ask them. It's like, did Trump how much of this is is Trump's own doing that he brought upon himself and a lot of them would sort of like give like these slow nods he like, said eh. like he didn't he didn't show any of them but he, <laughs> he said that like there there was a lot of people that were sort of like even the ones that were voting for him were just like yeah he sort of did this to himself i think a lot of republicans really felt like that when you when you signed up with the release the kraken campaign uh, yeah yeah i mean th- th- this was one of those things though there's a difference between all of that stuff, and somehow it's criminal. And I think one of the interesting things about how the Fonnie Willis indictment reads, the way conservative Twitter was taking it apart, was like, sending a tweet is criminal. Giving somebody a phone number is criminal. So then the other point about all this is, as we mentioned before, the, um, the Fulton County is dramatically mm-hmm. blue county. Mm-hmm. New York County, and where Alvin Bragg is, is a dramatically blue county. The District of Columbia, where Jack Smith did a l- bunch of his grand jury work, was in the District of Columbia. 92% to 5.4% Biden. Mm-hmm. And they are never going to ask the question, can a Republican get a fair trial in D.C.? Certainly it's never a question they've asked in any of these January 6th prosecutions. Oh, exactly. And the... Trump has been bringing up the fact that's and they 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 sort of talk about how um, that's going to be one of his defenses to try to get the Georgia case moved to someplace else, and they don't think he's going to be able to do it. But it 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 is a legitimate concern. Like they they try to they try to poo poo his concerns for Fulton County. Meanwhile, they play up the concerns for the Mar-a-Lago uh, right. document stuff because right. that one's in. Uh, southern uh, florida southern florida where it's 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 trump country a lot of it so they're like they're they're supremely worried about a trump voter getting on the jury pool and <laughs> creating like a hung jury for him so in in one instance oh no like the the jury is going to be immaculate it's going to be the the perfect jury and the other one that the one that can maybe let Trump off, they're 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 freaking out about. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things that I think even the the liberal reporters and analysts are looking at Fonnie Willis and saying, you know, she's got this massive indictment in the teens, eighteen, nineteen people, and they all know she's not going to get to court before the election with this thing, mm-hmm. uh, and that she's trying to say that she wants to have a trial in six months. And this is where I think you kind of sense that the news media is like, we like the Jack Smith indictments the best. We don't really care about the other, the, the New York one or the Fulton County one as much. They're not as good. They love the January 6th one. They love the idea that the Atlanta one could be on television. 
Mm-hmm. That'd be like OJ Simpson times 10. Not oh, to that's... compare Trump to OJ, but I mean as a TV spectacle. Oh yeah, exactly. Like that they're they're itching to for the images of Trump behind a jury like like behind a desk in the well of a courtroom and having to listen to people question him or even have him go up on the stand or not at all and see his reaction to all of that they can't just deal with the with the um was the pastel or the like the 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 pencil drawings yeah and right yeah it's like johnny depp times 20 i mean they uh we made jokes back in the 90s nick about brent baker watched the oj simpson trial on cnn just like endlessly and i was just sort of like I, 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 I mean, I think a lot of us were very sad about OJ, but we became quite convinced, like Norm MacDonald, he did it. <laughs> uh, why do you need to watch all of the trial? Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's absolutely going to be a CNN and MSNBC festival. Yeah, because like the, festival. The, the, the chasing of his car, of him showing up to be arraigned, or like him yeah. get, getting chased from probably going to be from Trump, depending on what the case is, chased from Trump Tower to the courthouse is they they can only get they they can only get so excited for that 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 they need to see him in the courtroom itself. You go back to my kvetch about how these people are like yes they get obsessed over the the motorcade and then when Trump actually goes somewhere to speak they're like nope can't put him on live something that yeah something that just occurred to me too it's like. NBC during the Kyle Rittenhouse case was harassing, like we're chasing down and harassing members of the jury, like yes. trying to follow them to their, f- follow like the bus yep. that they were taking them to. They to got the, in trouble well, for that. Yeah. So like what, what kind of shenanigans? That was your story. Yeah. It's like what kind of shenanigans are they going to get into with trying to figure out who the, the Trump jury people are, right? They had the forewoman for the Georgia grand jury going around and making like a fool and like all jeopardizing what they liked what right. they wanted like right there's yeah. there i mean they're going to end up having a fervent debate with themselves because they're going to be like well we want to know everything that's going on but we also don't want to ruin this prosecution with our nosiness somebody might oh somebody definitely because they're definitely yeah this, they're going to be so super aggressive it on was this. it was it was like it, it rem- a lot of it reminds me of when uh muller was still doing the investigation like the russia investigation nbc ambushed him on easter sunday as he was coming out of church like as he was walking to his car and there was like even like a lot of Trump people who were looking at that and they're like, guys, leave the man alone. <laughs> like he's literally it's Easter Sunday and he's going home like like leave him be. Well, this is before he testified and everybody yeah. thought yeah. he was sort of like Biden. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. What? what? Well, I, Andrew Weissman told me I didn't have to talk to anybody. Uh, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Kevin Tilber has a hot blog post now on how Mediate.com yes. took town hall editor Katie Pavlich all out of context uh, in an interview on the Brett Bayer show on Fox. It's this guy named Michael Luciano. He had the headline, Fox's Katie Pavlich claims Trump's attempt to overturn election was, quote, a normal political process. This was not an accurate headline. Kevin wrote, Mediate was betting people would only read their headline, which misconstrued, uh, misconstrued what Pavlich said. I mean, this happens all the time now because headlines mm-hmm. are all over Facebook and Twitter. Oh, yeah. And how many of those people are going to click on the article? Exactly. Uh, uh, Luciano began, Fox News contributor Katie Pavlich characterized 
Donald Trump's active effort to overturn the 2020 election as something that is supposed to be a normal political process. No, we can hear the clip here. Pavlich was trying to talk about what she called the criminalization of the pursuit of a recount. Let's put it in context. Uh, Katie, on, on what happened last night and the fallout from it? There are bigger picture questions here about whether these continued indictments amount to the criminalization of the pursuit of a recount, whether you agree or disagree with the president's pursuit of that, the language that was used, and a chilling environment that these indictments create with Republican uh, chairmen across the country or with lawyers who may want to work for Republican campaigns because given uh, the history we've seen with Democrats and denying elections and pursuing recounts and, and maybe doing things differently than laid out in this indictment, but it, it does feel like Democrats are allowed to pursue those things while Republicans are now being indicted for the, what is supposed to be a normal political process. So what I'm getting at from this is that Luciano was not lucky that Kevin was watching. <laughs> <laughs> I pointed out to Kevin, I said, yeah, this is the same Michael Luciano had wrote uh, in April about CNN. Chris Licht has moved the network away from what CNN's critics regarded as a liberal partisan slant and instead has emphasized straight news programming. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what CNN did under Licht. Yeah. But but yeah, obviously, Katie Pavlich here was trying to say something that they really don't want to pursue. There is this chilling effect under Fonnie Willis where she's somehow casting it as criminal that a Republican operative would forward somebody else a phone number. I mean, why can't the so-called free speech loving press see the trouble here about free speech? Or I, I mean, I guess I'm just going to say the media only cares about their own freedom of speech. Oh, oh, absolutely. Because if, if they were worried about this kind of thing, they would have they, they would have they, they cared when you had Mark Elias and the Democrats when they were trying to unseat. I'm forgetting the representative's name. I believe she she represents Iowa. And the, the, the counting had ha happened already. The recounts had happened already. They had certified the vote. And they were trying to like undo the election. Oh, it was um, uh, what was her name? Miller, she, Meeks. Miller Meeks. Yeah, Miller the, Meeks is the last go. name. Yes, Miller. Yeah, uh, right. And so, if the Democrat operative's freedom of speech, if Mark Elias's freedom of speech was in danger, then they would see the point. But this is the way the way they are. Yeah. When it comes to Trump and uh, people around Trump, you know, I. I'm not a release the Kraken person, never was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that whole idea yeah. that there was some, mat, you know, Trump won on a landslide. No, but yes, there's this whole idea that they're saying the entire thing is a criminal enterprise. It's like you're doing Democrat mudslinging. That's the way it looks. Yeah, and I think Katie has, Katie Pavlich has has a point about like you don't want to criminalize or try to make it, make it into something bigger than it is if a candidate wants a recount. Yeah, I mean, who's going to want to run for office and who's going to want to work for a candidate for office if it just suddenly becomes this minefield of mm. you might have to hire a lawyer? Let's let's remember, any of these people who are getting indicted by Fonnie Willis is going to end up spending tens of thousands of dollars on legal help. So it's like, mm -hmm. thank you very much. You know, you that would make you pretty upset, even if nothing comes of it. She's still doing damage if you're one of the people on that list. I, I, I had one more thing to say. All right. 
Glenn Kessler, the Washington Post fact checker, <laughs> has already jumped on a Trump ad maligning Fonnie Willis. She, he's saying there are three claims in the Trump ad that are three to four Pinocchio false. Now, none of us expect Kessler to fact check anything Fonnie Willis said in a press conference or what she's going to say anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, or wondering, you know, he's never going to do this where it's like, Fonnie Willis compared Trump to an organized crime boss. True or false? Mm-hmm. Or is it just a metaphor? Is it just a prosecutorial approach? I mean, this is where... He, I, he, he would go, oh, she's applying RICO, so yes. Yeah, I mean, all, right. Is that the fact? This is one of those areas where you can see already the fact checkers are all rushing to the defense of the Democrats and trying to always take down Trump. That's why Glenn Kessler had the many thousands lists of false and misleading statements. So, yes, you can't count on the fact checkers any more than you can count on the networks unless if you're Democrats, you can count on them. Mm-hmm. But but that's why we're here. You got to come see what we've got, what Nick Night Train Fonda Carroll's got, <laughs> and the rest of the fellas. Mm-hmm. You come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for checking in. Bye-bye.